this, just a couple weeks ago, my, my oldest granddaughter graduated. But one of the greatest things about that was when she received a scholarship. Now, receiving a scholarship is great because it helps with college. But the thing that I thought was so cool was like somebody was investing in her future. Somebody believed in her enough to say, you know, we want you to be a part of what we're doing. We want you to be a part of our program. And they're willing to invest. And anybody who received a scholarship, that's exactly what it is. Somebody seeing something in the future that they're willing to invest in today. And as we give our tithes and offering, we're doing the same thing. But the future that we're seeing is not just here on earth. The future that we're seeing is into eternity. And we're investing into um, saved marriages, restored relationships. We're investing in people feeling better about themselves, finding hope, being delivered from addictions. So when we're giving, what we're doing is we're seeing a future. And we're saying with God, God, how do we partner with you in bringing about that future in your people? And then out of our obedience to him, we give our tithes and we give our offerings. And if that's you, I just want to thank you because there's so many stories here at church, so many stories that I've heard, people that I've talked to who've been here, they've gone in the prayer room and, got, and they've been prayed over and they've walked out healed. They've been here, they've talked to a pastor, they've talked to one of you and their marriages have been strengthened. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of investing in someone's future. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so very much. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom, for allowing us to partner with you, and for allowing us to invest in the future that you see. Lord God, we want to invest in eternity. We want to see lives restored. We want to see relationships restored. And we want to see people say yes to you and to have eternal hope with you. And so, Lord God, would you receive what we're bringing, and would you multiply it, Lord God, so that your hope and your word would go forth. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. We are continuing in our series, The Family of God, and today Pastor Ben Urbanozo is going to be sharing with us about how we can be more like Jesus. In other words, when we're born in this world, we take on the surroundings and the character qualities of those surroundings and even, even the, the likeness of the people that surround us. But when we're born again, in other words, when we come to know Jesus, now we take on His character qualities because now He surrounds us and now we're in a different kind of environment. And today we want to ask the question, who am I most like? Because we're always going to battle between how I was before I knew Jesus and then who I am being born again and now that I know Jesus. We always have the battle between the two, but the goal is to become more like Jesus. Let's welcome up Pastor Ben Urbanozo as he comes and shares with us today. Oh, thank you, Pastor Sheldon, and good morning, everybody. You know, it's, it's so amazing that it's so true. In fact, uh, a lot of people are asking me, now that we've pretty much told the entire church congregation, that uh, Katie and I are expecting a boy and a girl in just a matter of, I think, two months. There are a lot of people are asking me, are you, so, are you excited about you're having your boy? And I'm like, yeah, of course I am. Like, it's like God's sign saying, okay, stop. You have five kids now, stop. <laughs> and so it's like, and so people are asking me, are you excited about your son? I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. But the, the interesting thing is, is I, I tell them, I am excited to have a boy. But what's so uh, great is that from Caitlin, who's our oldest, to Brianne, to Adrian, each one of them, I still am, I'm still me. 
And so what's so amazing is that they actually learn traits from me. So it's so amazing because they, they you know, it's, it's such a, uh, a blessing to see them because they're, they love princesses, but then they also love daddy superheroes. Like, it's so funny, Brianne, when she was two years old, I remember uh, we had a hard time taking her to the doctors because she would be afraid. And so I remember I would tell her, Brianne, Hulk smash. And so she would look at me and go, Hulk smash. You know, in their cute baby voice. And even to this day, they, it's, so, it's so great because they'll see pictures of princesses, you know, the Disney princesses. and be like, oh, look, it's Jasmine and Belle and Rapunzel. And then when they see Iron Man, they're like, that's you, Dad. I'm like, yes. Great. I did an awesome job. I'm done, doing, I'm done being a dad. Awesome. That's, that's great. But that's the thing, though. When we're born, we grow up and we learn and we, we develop traits and characteristics of people around us. But when we come to know Jesus, sometimes those traits, those character qualities aren't what he wants for us. For example, I've learned that when I come to, after I came to know Jesus... When somebody passes me on a double solid line, it's not okay to let them know that they're number one. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? Um, I meant show finger, just letting you know. Because that's what, that's what I grew up watching. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, you let them know where they rank in your heart. When they came to know Jesus, it's like, no, do not extract that finger because you love Jesus. And see, that's, that's what we battle with every single day. That's what we go through. Because when we, when, we, uh, when we come to know Jesus, we realize that a lot of the character qualities and traits that we grew up uh, with aren't those that are shared with Jesus. And when we start letting his qualities and traits come alive in us, we begin to start experiencing greater things in our lives. And here's what I mean. Uh, when I was a kid... I remember being really younger, uh, and I remember every time I get sick, there was a go-to food for me. Anybody have a go-to food when you're, when you're sick, like when you have the cold or flu? For me, it was shrimp saimin. Had to be shrimp saimin. Yeah, there was a chicken noodle soup, but I like the shrimp saimin, and I loved shrimp saimin. In fact, I remember I would actually buy, you know, the dried baby shrimp? And I'd put that in my shrimp salmon because, you know, the shrimp salmon only come with two pieces, right? Right? Like, shrimp salmon, where's the shrimp? It's so shrimpy. And so I'd put more in, and, and I remember I'd eat that as a little kid every time I was sick or not feeling good. It was one of my favorite foods. Well, in fifth grade, I go to the doctors, and guess what they tell me? You're allergic to shrimp. I'm like, What? You're telling me my go-to uh, sick food I can't have anymore. And so sure enough, to this day, I'm allergic to shrimp and shellfish. I know some of you are like, bro, that's a horrible life. You're right, but I know Jesus, so we're good. <laughs> but here's the thing. Because as, soon as, I got, uh, as soon as I got diagnosed with being allergic to shrimp, um, I couldn't have anything close to uh, shrimp. And so there would be every single week when me and my mom would go to KTA or another grocery store, I would walk by, I would walk by this section, and it looked beautiful. And the word, the word above it was poke. And I would ask my mom, Mom, can I have poke? And she would tell me, no, because right next to it is shrimp. 
And so I'd be like, well, mom, it looks so good. It's not shrimp. She's like, no, you can't have it. And so I grew up, I kid you not, in intermediate, all the way through high school, not knowing what poke was. And not only that, I couldn't, like, you know how they have sushi with the, the ahi on top? I couldn't, the only sushi I could eat was maki sushi and kon sushi from Kawamoto's. Sorry, I just got hungry. Hold on. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so I, remember, I remember not being able to eat poke. And then I graduated, and one of my friends here at church, uh, he, we, were, we went to the store, and he bought a big, like, two-pound container of poke. And it looked good. Because we were starving. I think we just had left after church. And we're, we went to KTA, we picked up food. And so I picked up my stuff, and he picked up his stuff. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to pound this food. I can't wait to eat this food. And I'm looking at him, well, oh, you're so lucky. You're so, you're so lucky you can eat poke. He's like, Why? It's like, I cannot have. Why? I'm allergic. You're allergic to poke? No, 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 no. I'm allergic to shrimp. Um, ben, this is fish, not, not shrimp. I know, but it's by the shrimp. He's like, but it's not shrimp. I was like, and then I told him, dude, you don't understand, okay? I grew up all my life. First, I, I give him the whole story, right? But I was, I love shrimp, and then I couldn't have shrimp because I'm allergic, and now here I am, and you're telling me I can eat this, but I, got, I grew up knowing I couldn't eat it. He's like, bro, just try in peace. I was like, nah, I'm good, bro, because as much as I love Jesus, I don't want to see him, like, right now. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen you eat something, you're allergic to it. I don't want that happening to me. I don't want to go to the ER. And so he's like, dude, just try it. And so he gives me his fork. He, po- he pokes the fish. He pokes the poke and he gives it to me. And it's like glistening on the fork, right? And I'm starving. And I'm like, okay, Lord, here I come. And I'm expecting like something to happen, like me to just fall down, proving him right that I'm allergic. What happened was that was the most delicious poke ever. And from that day, I've eaten poke. And what's so crazy is I remember eating it. I remember telling him, dude, I've been missing out on this for like all my life. And I'm like, and, I'm like, and after, since, after that, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I want to try sushi, like with the fish on top now. So like Genki sushi, I just whack it now. But you see, the funny thing is, I would have never experienced what poke, I mean, I love poke. In fact, I just had some yesterday. And so I love poke. And what's so amazing is I would have never experienced it had I said, no, but I grew up thinking this. See, I experienced something great and amazing. And it's the same way with Jesus. Because a lot of times, we hold back. Jesus is saying, wait, 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 hold on. I don't want you to do that. And they're like, but Lord, this is how I grew up. This is, what, this is what it was my life. And he's saying, that's great. It was your life, but it ain't your life anymore. Why? Because your life isn't supposed to be where you look like yourself. Your life is supposed to be at the end of it. You look more like my son. You see, if we want to fully embrace being a part of the family of God, then we must, we must be willing to be more like Jesus rather than anything or anyone else. Now, I think all of us understand this, that we all have a before Christ era in our lives. We all have a before Christ era in our lives. But the truth is, it's the born-again era that Jesus is more concerned about. It's not about who we were, but rather who he is making us to be like. And what should we be more concerned about is who are we most like? Are we more like Jesus or 
Are we more like someone else? Are we the same? As in, if you and I receive Jesus, are we living our lives the same way or is it any different? Because the truth is, if we're still living life the same, when we were living it before Jesus, then he hasn't made a difference in our lives. We're not letting him. And so today, we're going to discover who, we're, who we are most like by asking three important questions that will help lead us to becoming more like Jesus. John 14, 6 says it like this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I love that scripture because right there, Jesus gives us the answer on how can we be most like him. And the first question that we need to ask ourselves is who am I following? Who am I following? Now, I want to do, I want to do an illustration this morning. Uh, I, I think some of us, many of us, when we were kids, we played this game. It was called Simon Says or Follow the Leader, okay? I'm not going to pick anybody to come up. I'm actually going to ask where you're at right now to participate, okay? So if you don't remember the rules, uh, it was whenever Simon said something, you do it. When Simon, said, when Simon doesn't say to do something, then you don't do it, okay? Got it? Okay, so what I need is everybody to stand up real quick. Stand up. Stand up. Okay, if you're standing, you just lost. If you're watching at home and you just stood up, I'm just letting you know you lost. Sit down. <laughs> Woo, that worked beautifully. All right. Couldn't even get past one. Oh, okay. All right, Simon says, stand up. <laughs> Some of you guys are weird. Now, if you don't want to participate, that's perfectly fine, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, Simon says, if you don't want to participate, that's perfectly fine. Sorry. <laughs> okay? All right, sit down. If you sat down, you just lost. Okay. Simon says, put your right hand in the air. If you don't know what your right hand is, you need Jesus. Just saying. Okay. Put your left hand in the air. Okay, if you just moved your left hand, you're out. I'm just saying. I'm going slow, guys. All right. Okay, put your right hand down. Okay, if you just moved it down, you're out. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Simon says, put your right hand down. Okay. Simon says, put your left hand up. Your left hand is the one that if you make an L, it, it looks like an L to you. Just clarifying. Almost made up a new word. All right. Okay, put your left hand down. Put your right hand up. Okay, if you move your hands. I saw some people in the back over there. They'll be lying to me now. We're in church. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, great job, guys. Sit down, sit down, sit down. We're done, we're done. We're going to go to this. <laughs> you guys learned. All right, Simon says sit down so we can enjoy the rest of the message. All right? Great job. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> Unless you lost the first round, then don't give yourself a round of applause. That was horrible. Just saying. I'm joking, I'm joking. Oh, Simon says put your right hand down, left hand down. Any hand you have up, Simon says put them down. <laughs> But you see, that we grew up knowing that, right? We grew up playing that game, Simon Says. And, and here's what I've learned is this. We all follow. No matter if you're the boss or the employee, the student, the teacher, we all follow. We're all followers. But what's most important is this. It's important to know who we are following because not only does it determine whether we win or not, but also what the prize is. Let me say that again. It's important to know who we're following because it not only determines whether we win or not, 
but also what the prize is going to be. Listen, there are people saying, yay, I won the game of life, only to find out that because of the path they were following, they're actually going to death. See, there's a story in the Bible that I really enjoy, and it's, it's the story of the young rich ruler, and it's found in Mark 10. And basically what happens is this young, uh, young man comes up to Jesus and says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus tells him, well, you got to follow the commandments. You shall not steal. You shall not murder. You know, does not. And so he basically tells him all the Ten Commandments. And then the young man replies to him and says, well, I've, all these things I've done since I was a little boy. And then in, in Mark 10, 21 to 22, he says this. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. If you're taking notes, circle genuine love. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I want you to circle many possessions. Because here's what I want us to see is this. This young rich ruler's reaction to Jesus shows exactly who he was following. He followed the many possessions. But what did he miss out on? The genuine love that Jesus had for him. See, he followed all the commandments. He wasn't willing to follow Jesus. He would rather follow his wealth and possessions instead of following the one who had genuine love for him. I love how the Bible says genuine love, real love. The most genuine love that you and I will ever experience will only come from Jesus. But we'll never experience it unless we're following him. And I want you to imagine what his life could have been if Jesus was the one leading him. Because like I said, right, it's important to understand who we're following because not only does it determine whether we win or not, but also what the prize is. Because when I read this, a question that I have for this young rich ruler is, did he inherit eternal life? If that was his, if that was his whole goal, did he actually get it? Or did he miss out because he was following something else? You know those three words, come follow me? That's an open invitation that Jesus gave to those who wanted to experience something far greater than they already knew. And what I love about it is those three words, come follow me, is the same three words that Jesus is saying to you and I. In fact, Matthew 4, 19 to 20, it says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When I had graduated high school, uh, I, I was trying to look for a full-time job, and so I found a, a pretty good job at Boys and Girls Club, and I loved it because when I, right before I graduated high school, I heard the Lord say, you're going to be a youth pastor. I heard that I had that calling on my life. And so I was like, okay, I want to be a youth pastor. And so I was working at a job, and I was like, Lord, I want to get somewhere else that's going to help prepare me to become a youth pastor. And so I wanted to work with youth. So I ended up working at Boys and Girls Club, and I loved it. And I remember I got hired along with my friend, and and we went to, uh, we, we just entered the summer season, so we worked as the summer hires for the Boys and Girls Club in Keao. And we loved it. However, because it was a nonprofit, we weren't making bank. We weren't living it up rich. And I just, like, we're just young. I mean, I was like 18 years old when this happened. And so I remember I loved it, but I wasn't making money. 
And so I, when, when, the, uh, when summer was coming to an end, there was a big hiring with the cruise lines, with the cruise ships. And they were hiring a lot of people here from, from Hilo. And so we decided, hey, we're going to go apply to go work on the cruise ships. And so we went, and we actually got hired. We got hired, and, and they, I think the starting pay back then, now this is like almost 15 years ago, was, I swear, was like 11 or $12 an hour. And that was, that was way more than what we were getting paid at Boys and Girls Club. And so I remember we got hired, and we're like, okay, we're going to leave Boys and Girls Club. We're going to leave our job. So that way, and I was thinking about it, hey, I'm going to get money. I'm going to get to travel the world. I'm going to, you know, meet chicks. Being, I'm being honest. You know, and all this, I'm going to experience the world. And so I remember uh, I actually put in my two-week notice at Boys and Girls Club, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go pursue this. But ever since I said I was going to pursue it, I heard the Lord knocking on my heart saying, hold up. This isn't what I want for you. But Lord, I'm going to get paid money, and, and Lord, I can go and shine your light wherever I go. But you're not listening to me. You're not following me. And it was crazy because as the, we, had, we had a certain date that we had to give our answer to if we were really going to take it or not. And so my friend did. He took it. And I stayed back. Because there's a lot of factors that came in that told me, stay here. Because this is where the Lord wants you. And I think about it because what I didn't realize was me not going on the boat, me not going on the, on the cruise or working for the cruise line was actually like when Jesus called out to Peter to come walk on water. Because the truth is, everything I've experienced in my life because of that decision was all because of the Lord. I got to experience Jesus in such a way that I know I would have never experienced had I been on that cruise line. I would have never met my wife. I wouldn't have, the ki- I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't be where I'm at. And more importantly, I wouldn't have fulfilled the calling that God has in my life. See, that's the thing. When we follow after Jesus... Not only does he provide us an experience, but also an opportunity to realize who we were created to be. See, when Jesus said, come follow me, he was talking to Peter and Andrew. Peter was a fisherman. What was so interesting is that Peter was never meant to be a fisherman. He wasn't meant to stay a fisherman all his life. He grew up, his father was a fisherman, so he took the trade on and he became a fisherman. But the interesting thing is he was never meant to stay a fisherman. Jesus never saw Peter as a fisherman. He saw Peter as a fisher of men. And because Peter was willing to follow Jesus, he became a pillar of the church. You and I are here because of what Peter did. See, if he, had never, if he, had, he would have never become the pillar of the church had he not let go of his nets and followed after Jesus. See, is who or what we are following leading us to life? Is that habit, that relationship, that activity leading us to life? Is what or who we are following really bringing out God's best in our marriages, in our kids, in our families, in our relationships, in ourselves? Or is it time to leave our nets behind and follow Jesus so that we can have life? Matthew 7, 13, 14 says it like this, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What Jesus is saying is, 
The road to, to death and destruction is super wide, and any, everybody, a lot of people are following that path. And the only path that leads to life, you have to be intentional with following the one who will lead you through it. The second, point, the second question we can ask ourselves is this. What are my influences, or who are my influences? Now, you might not believe this, but when I was a freshman in high school, I was heavily influenced by MTV. And so what I mean by heavily influenced by MTV is when I, when I got into my freshman year, I decided to imitate what I saw on MTV. And because back then I was a huge rap fan, I decided I was going to go to school dressed gangster, like a thug. So I'm not kidding you. I remember freshman year, I went to school dressed in baggy jeans, okay, uh, I think T-shirt, a gold, uh, silver chain, and to top it all off, I went to Ross and bought me denim, a, a baggy denim jacket. And I would go to school with that and with a beanie on, so I looked thug. Because that's what I saw on TV. I was watching all these rappers, right, you know, like Jay-Z and all these people. And I was like, I want to be like that. So I, I go just like that, and I'm like acting all, all like gangster or tough in, in, in high school. And I'm thinking to myself, that's nothing like me. Dude, you're talking to the guy that in, when he was 10 years old watched Lion King and bawled his eyes out. I ain't gangster. I ain't, I ain't even know, I'm nothing close to being a thug. I'm more closer to being a hug than a thug. <laughs> but my influence was MTV, and so I wanted to dress like it. I wanted to act all uh, tough and everything, but, but it wasn't real. And the truth is we're all influenced by someone or something, and it's our influences that have the potential to add or subtract to who we are. Proverbs 27:17 says it like this, as iron sharp, sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, the greatest influences on our lives will also have the greatest impact on it. See, we let influences speak not only into our lives, but over it as well. And in today's world, especially with social media and everything, we are constantly being influenced. In fact, there is a group of people whose job title is literally influencers. In fact, some of you may have heard about this uh, thing that happened a couple, uh, I think two years ago. Uh, the, there's this big idea to have this huge musical festival called the Fire Festival. And what they were going to do is they were going uh, to rent a private island and have this huge musical festival with musical artists. And there was going to be exclusive and they were targeting rich millennials, rich young millennials. And so they're were, they were targeting, and, when, and this is crazy, it was an expensive thing because the tickets to the festival alone, the tickets were about ten dollars to $20,000 just to go to the festival. Not only that, but then they had to, uh, they promised like uh, amazing villas to, for them to stay in and, and delicious food and all this and that. And so even more money, more money, more money. And then what was so crazy is they actually said, you know what, we're not going to um, allow cash or credit. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to actually buy a fire wristband and you can preload it. And they actually sent emails to people that bought tickets and they said a lot of people are, are putting up to $150,000 on their wristband. And what's the crazy part? People bought it. How? Because how they marketed it wasn't where they pl uh, plastered it all over the place. It wasn't, I don't think any of us saw it really on TV. But what happened was they got influential models to post on their Instagram 
an orange square, an orange square. That's all they did. That's how it all started. And from that, it just blew up. And you had thousands of young rich millennials who spent close to $200,000 for a festival that went to this island that they had to change because it just didn't work out. They go, and what happens? It's all a scam. It's all a scam. All the musical artists never showed up. Those really fancy villas that they were supposed to stay in were actually emergency tent shelters from FEMA, from Hurricane Katrina. There was no water. In fact, the water and all that was actually locked up in like the mats and containers. And what did they have to do? They broke through them and they just grabbed everything. Because it was, uh, it was a false shelter, you know, it was an emergency shelter. It's not supposed to be uh, meant for certain things. The water from the rain seeped in and wet all the mattresses. The food, there's one caterer on the entire island for thousands of people. And which is why now this whole big thing came up and they explained how, how all this was a, a scam and, and everything. But what I get, what I don't understand is, dude, you guys were influenced by an orange square on Instagram. What's even more crazy is I, I read a story where this influencer, she was taking a picture of a full, uh, an ice cream cone. And so she, you know, she's modeling, oh, you know, like she's having fun with the, with the ice cream cone. Well, the photographer, takes another picture and posts on, on their website. And what is that picture of? It's not about the picture, it's not the picture of the uh, model posing with the ice cream cone. It's a picture of the ice cream cone in the trash can. Why? Because the influencer doesn't like ice cream. But her job's not to like ice cream. Her job is to influence people to eat the ice cream. You see, we're all influenced. But the question is, are our influences real or are they fake? See, Jesus isn't into being an Instagram influencer and neither should we. He wants to be a real influence in our lives. See, when Jesus says that he's the truth, that's the influence that you and I need in this world because not all of the influence in our lives are good and not all of the influences in our lives are the truth. That's why I love the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And some of us, we might not know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. It's found in Daniel 6, but I'll kind of summarize it real quick. So what happens is there's a king, and he issues a, he has his officials kind of take over the land. And what happens is there's this man by the name of Daniel who is highly favored because everything he does is blessed. Why? Because he worships the Lord. And so the king actually says, you know what? We're going to place, I'm going to place Daniel in charge of the entire empire. Of course, the other officials are like, oh, that's awesome. We love Daniel. All right. No, they're jealous. They're like, wait a minute, how is this guy getting, getting into position to be in charge of the whole entire empire? And so they develop a scheme and they tell the king, king, we want you to issue a decree that when this happens, nobody can pray to anybody or anything else but you. Why? Because they know that Daniel is a man of God and he's going to pray to the Lord every single day. And so sure enough, what happens? Daniel prays to the Lord. As soon as the issue gets the decree gets issued. Uh, he goes to his room and he prays. And what happens? The officials that were scheming, they catch him. They bring him to the king. They're like, king, you issued the decree. You know what the law says. The law says he must be thrown into the den of lions. And the king actually doesn't like this. He's like, wait a minute. He's trying to fight it, but, he's, but everybody's reminding him, wait, you issued a decree. It cannot be taken back. 
And so with remorse in his heart, the king actually throws Daniel into the lion's den. And overnight, the Bible says, the king couldn't really sleep. In fact, early the next morning, he wakes up early. He runs down to the lion's den, and he was like, Daniel, Daniel, please tell me that your God has saved you. And sure enough, Daniel replies, oh, yes, my king, my God has shut the mouths of these lions. And so he comes out, and, and everything uh, gets revealed to the king that it was all a scheme to set up Daniel. And what does the king do? He actually takes the officials and their families and throws them into the lion's den. And the Bible actually says, this, this is the craziest part, that before their body could even hit the ground, the lions jumped on them and feasted. You see, not all the influences in our life is going to be good. And not all the influences in our lives are going to be truth. We got to be very careful about the influence around us. The Bible says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15:33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You see, the king realized that the influences around him were, comp- were compromising who God wanted him to be. In fact, after this, the, the king actually issues out a new decree saying that everybody must bow down and worship the God of Daniel. See, Jesus wants to be influential in our lives. But that means we're going to have to give him power of influence. You know, when I, when I, I started coming to church when I was in youth, and uh, just because I was coming to church doesn't mean I was making every good decision, right? as a teenager. And so I remember, uh, especially my senior year, me and my friends, we go out drinking every weekend or have parties and stuff. In fact, to be told, I did more drinking underage than I did over the age. And so I remember I was, you know, this is my lifestyle. And these, are my, these weren't just my friends. These are my best friends. These are, you know, growing up as an only child, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, this, this was my ohana. And so I remember being like, no, you know, we're, we're, you know, Live or die by these guys. And, and what happened was I came to know Jesus. And then I received, I heard the calling that he had in my life, and I was like, okay, I want to be a youth pastor or a great. And so what happened is after I graduated, we, they still went to go parties, and they still went, and I was like, I want to still do that. I still want to go parties. I still want to go drinking. But there's just another thing now that I want to also be an example for youth. And so I started coming up on Friday nights to our junior high night and our Thursday nights, which is our high school night. And I remember hearing the Lord saying, you're going, to have to under- you're going to have to decide who's your influence. And so I made a hard call. I remember talking to some of my friends and saying, hey, guys, I love you guys. And that's always going to last, no matter what. To the day we die, I'm going to love you guys. You're going to always be my family. You guys are always going to be my friends. Whether we're close now and far apart later, you're always going to be my family. But I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going out on Friday nights getting drunk or trying to get drunk. I never got drunk, that's why. I can't keep going out and drinking with you guys every Friday night and coming to church on Sunday and telling the kids, love Jesus. I can't do that. And some of them, they took it well. Some of them, they're like, what? You're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to hang out with junior hires on Friday night? What are you thinking? I say, I just want to be the man that God wants me to be. And so I did. And after time, I was so thankful that I made that decision to say, Lord, you're my influence. In fact, he was such my influence that I told myself I can't actually drink anymore. I tried. I tried after I was 21, and I was like, I I can't do it. I just, it's not me. Why? Because my influence is no longer part of this world. My influence is more heavily now on the Lord. 
You see, when Jesus becomes my influence, he shows me what to be influenced by. And when I do, I become more and more like him. Philippians 4.8 says it like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know what's so amazing is when, he, when Jesus becomes our influence in our lives, those are the things he influences with. I love it because he influences with what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable, what's excellent and praiseworthy. That's the kind of influence I want. That's the kind of influence I want in my life. Amen. And the last question that we got to ask ourselves is, who are you living for? Who am I living for? Who are you living for? See, some of us we have a hard time with this because when we look at all the things in life, we see someone we're living for, and it's not Jesus. Someone that we're trying to, maybe it's someone that we're trying to impress. Or not disappoint. Maybe it's someone that we're trying hard to make proud or, or honor them with. And what that can do actually is push us farther from becoming more like Jesus. You know, I never met my dad. My dad died before I was born. I never heard his voice. All I have is pictures of him. But what's interesting is that a lot of people who knew my dad would come up to me and say, You look exactly like your dad. Or you talk just like your dad. Or you laugh just like your dad. Or you smile just like your dad. And I used to find that really awesome. But then when I was a kid, I also heard other things. I heard, you're going to end up just like your dad. And I get what they're trying to say. They're trying to say, hey, be healthy. Because, you know, your dad died before he, had, before he got to experience you. But to be honest with you, that haunted me. As a little kid growing up, becoming a teenager, and even as an, a, an adult. They used to haunt me because I always felt like I was in his shadow. If I could be honest with you, I wasn't really thinking about who I was living for. I was more focused on making sure I don't die so people say I'm like my dad. In fact, I remember this person, and I know they loved me, and I know they had my well-being and heart, but, but she like, just hammered it to me. You can end up just like your father. And to be honest, that fear crippled me a lot because I thought, Man, I don't want to die early. I don't want to die and leave my wife. I don't want to die and leave my kids. I want, to, I want to spend time with my kids. I never got that with my dad. And that scared me a lot. And it was almost like everything I tried to do, every time I tried to go on a, on a diet or try to eat healthy or whatever it was, it felt like I was trying to do it for that fear. But then I came to know Jesus. I came to experience that he gives me life, not death. And so when I got married to Katie, I was like, I'm not, I'm not living for the fear of my dad. I'm living for the Lord. That's why I'm getting married. When I held, my, when I held Caitlin for the first time, I thought to myself, my, I never, my dad never got to experience this. I get to experience this. Why? Because, Lord, I'm living for you. In fact, Easter, when I saw my daughters dancing on the stage, praising God, I actually was tearing up in the back because Easter is when my dad, my dad passed away before I was born. And as I saw my daughters dancing, I was like, man, I get to experience this. 
Lord, you're the one, you're, that, you, that's why I live for you. I can, I can live for anybody else, I can. I can live for anything else, I can. But when I live for the Lord, I don't live in the shadow. I live in his light. I live in his life and I live in his love. And what's so amazing is that for some of us, that's where we're at. We're living in the shadows of someone else. But we're not supposed to. Not if we want to be more like Jesus. In fact, Jesus says it in John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. See, Jesus lived his life for his Father in heaven. His life was a reflection of God's love for us. And his death gave us an opportunity to have a new life to be lived, not for others or not even for ourselves, but for the Lord. See, the Apostle Paul was one of the best examples that showed that he was more like Christ because he was living for Christ. I mean, here is Paul who was actually named Saul, and he was a Pharisee, and he was actually threatening believers. He was actually threatening those who believed in Jesus to, go to, to be killed to be arrested and to be killed for their belief in Jesus. Why? Because it, didn't, it wasn't uh, what the Pharisees believed. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And what happens? On the road to Damascus, Jesus appears and Saul falls and he experiences God. He experiences Jesus. And his experience with Jesus changes his life and his legacy. See, my question to you is this. When we ask ourselves, who am I living for? Who am I living for? Has Jesus come in and made that impact in our lives so that we understand we're no longer living? It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That it's no longer my life to live. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for something greater. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. See, Jesus died to give us a new life so that we would live for him rather than for ourselves. And you know what I love about it is this. I tell the youth all, this, the time, uh, all the time, especially ever since our high school district camp is, has been called Legacy, is this. If all I do, if all I do is live for me, if all I do is live for my family and friends, and if all I do is live for me, then the truth is this. At the moment I stop living, my legacy is already under attack. In other words, just like in the movie Coco, people can forget you. People can stop talking about you. My legacy can be forgotten. But the moment I say, no, I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for the Lord. I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm gonna, because here's the really cool thing. When we live for God, he filters everything down so that our legacy remains for eternity. Our legacy becomes eternal, not temporary like this world. And when we live our lives for Jesus, we give others the opportunity to see who Jesus is in us. You see, our destiny that first started in the Garden of Eden was changed because of what happened on the cross. And we can very well live our lives for ourselves or according to the ways of the world. But when we live our lives for Christ, that's when we become, we become most like him. I remember the moment I told my mom, hey mom, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a youth pastor. 
And she looked at me, and she was like, oh, I'm so happy, I'm so thankful, oh, great. And none of that happened. She looked at me, and as a mom can only do, she looked at me and was like, what? Like, mom, I'm, I'm, I believe I'm supposed to be a youth pastor. I'm gonna go, I'm, I, wanna, I wanna try my best to become a youth pastor. And she's like, just like moms, right? Well, how are you gonna support your family like that? I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. It's like, you want to be a pastor, but how are you going to support your family like that? I'm like, uh, I, I guess I can find a job. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, mom, I'm coming to you telling you I'm going to be a youth pastor. I'm not telling you I'm coming to be a drug dealer or anything like that. Like, what? And she's like, well, you know, you, you, I, don't think you, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm like, Why? So like, you're gonna have, you, need, you need to be able to pay the bills. You need to be able to support your family and all that. And I'm like, Mom, you're breaking my heart. Like, here I am on fire for, I, wanna, I, I believe I'm called to be a pastor. And you're straight up telling me, like, what? And you're, like, knocking down every single part. And then I realized, and, and, and to, to be honest, I was like, I had a hard time with it. And then I realized, Lord, I'm not becoming a pastor for my mom. I'm becoming a pastor for you. That's my heart. That's what I'm living for. I'm not living my life for my mom. I'm living my life for you. So whether it's I become a youth pastor or whether it's, become, whether it's I become a person who's flipping burgers for the rest of my life, it don't matter. But let me tell you, I told myself, Lord, if I'm really meant to be a youth pastor, if I'm really called to be who you're calling me to be, then let me do it. Not so I can prove my mom wrong, but I can prove you right. And I remember the day I told her, hey, Mom, I'm getting my pastoral license. She looked at me. She was like, well done. I was like, yeah, where was this like 10 years ago, huh, when I told you? <laughs> no, I wasn't like that. <laughs> but it was interesting because she saw. She saw that I wasn't willing to say I want to be a youth pastor just because. She saw that I started to live my life for Jesus. It was so funny because I would talk to her more about Jesus than she ever did in my entire life. And she, when I finally told her, Mom, I'm, I'm going to become a pastor. I'm getting my pastor license. She was like, go get it. I know that's what she wanted. Go get it. You see, when we live our lives for Jesus, we give others the opportunity to see Jesus, who Jesus is in us. And whether it's going to work or school, at home, shopping in Target, driving on the road, in every area of our lives, we can live our lives for Jesus and showcase him. And when we do, our family, our friends, and even strangers can experience who Jesus is and feel welcomed to join the family of God. See, let us not be conformed by living for the world, but be transformed as we live our lives for Jesus. Romans 12, 1-2 says it like this, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings, out the, best, God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. See, if we want to be more like Jesus, then it has to be Jesus that we follow. 
It has to be Jesus that we're influenced by, and it has to be Jesus that we live our lives for. And when we do, we can find ourselves in the hands of the Father as he makes us into the image of his Son, because we are a part of the family of God. Let's take a look. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Bo, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me. And you lie. You tell little white lies. You're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable, and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here, and then you come back, and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, no, chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. Mm. This right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. This, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but... I've let you down so many times, God. No, you were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there. Cause I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror cause inside is a scared, stupid kid. And I try, I try, but I can't. I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I wanna be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're gonna find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I want to show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a... It's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. 
Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's going to be tough. Yes. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's. No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. You see, when we find ourselves in the family of God, we realize exactly who we are who we're supposed to be most like. You know, it's interesting, the, the world tells us a lot of things. It tells us who we are, but, but when it comes to God, he tells us just one thing. He tells us that we're his masterpiece. See, if we want to understand who we're most like, then the questions we have to ask ourselves are, is it you that I'm following, Lord? Is it you that's influencing my life? And is it you that I'm living my life for? See, what's so amazing is when we find ourselves in the hands of the Father, well, he starts to do work. Why? Because he loves us. See, you might be here this morning and, and maybe you're like, man, I, was, I grew up this way. I had this childhood. I had this lifestyle. And how can, I, how can I ever become what Jesus wants me to be? How can I ever become who Jesus wants me to be? The truth it's already in you. But are you willing to let your Father in heaven bring it out? Because he calls you and I to be part of his family. He loves you and I just as he does a son and a daughter. Yeah, we may have grew up and we may have gained characteristics of our family, of our friends, of other people, maybe even of this world. But his desire for you and I is that we wouldn't remain there, but that with every single day, letting him create in us who we're called to be. And when we do, we'll fully experience what it means to be the family of God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and Lord, we thank you so much that it's you. It's you that we want to be most like. It's you who we want to follow. It's you that we want to influence our lives. And it's you, Lord, that we want to live for. So, Lord, this morning we come to you. Because it's you that we want to be a part of your family. Lord, there's some of us that maybe... We've never received you into our lives. But we hear you loud and clear today. today. You're saying, 
I have more for you because I love you. And if you're willing to let go of your nets, if you're willing to know that I'm the truth, and if you're willing to allow me to be the reason why you live, I have so much more for you to experience. And if that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to make the best decision of your lives, and it's receiving Jesus into your heart and into your life. And so I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask that you repeat it after me. And although you're just repeating after me, it's not you just saying the words. It's you saying with all your heart. Because you're crying out to your God saying, Lord, I want to be part of your family. Lord Jesus, I receive you this morning as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross and that you rose again to give me eternal life. Thank you for loving me May it be you that I follow, you that influences me, and you that I live the rest of my life for. In Jesus' name I pray. Now you don't have to repeat me on this part, but if you said that prayer for the first time, I want to I just ask you in an act of faith, would you raise your hand so we can pray for you? Yeah, I see you back there. Very good. See you over here. That's what I see you back there. Lord, our hearts, our hands, are raised to you saying, Lord, we're part of your family. I see you over there. Yes, Lord. You can put your hands down. Lord, there's some of us here this morning that maybe we've received you into our lives, but our lives are not any different. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to become more like you. As you say in your word, help us to become less so that you can become greater. Lord, we ask for that in our lives. We ask that in our relationships, in our families, in our friends, at our workplace, at school, whatever it may be, in every area of our lives. Help us to be more like you. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your family. We love you. We praise you. And we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen.